happening, guys. Welcome back to the show. That was DJ Dom Dalla from Melbourne, Australia at the top of the show. That was his Cranes remix. And that tune is too smooth not to involve on the show. Welcome back. This is the Vancouver edition. This is episode number 19, and this is Creating Space. I'm your host, Wes Knight, and I'm excited to bring to you this guest. This individual played a massive role in my life as a role model when I had my seasons in Vancouver. Six great years in Vancouver. This guy was a good friend, a teammate, and a captain in a leadership position while I was a player for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Captain Demerica is what he goes by, and Jay Demerit is a World Cup star, 2010 in South Africa. He anchored the back line, the defending unit for the United States of America in that World Cup. He was also the anchor for Watford in the English Premier League during that time. And shortly thereafter, the 2010 World Cup, he signed as the very first signing for the Vancouver Whitecaps in 2011, their expansion year into the MLS. So he became the face of the franchise. A great honor for Jay. He's now transitioned into a life of entrepreneurship as he owns Portmanteau Stereo Company. It's an incredible little journey, and on this show, he's going to talk about the technique of waiting for your wave of opportunity, but when that opportunity comes, seizing the day and riding the hell out of it. So without any further ado, let's bring Captain Demerica onto the show. Jay Demerit, what is happening my brother what an intro <laughs> how we doing man oh so good so good yeah it's uh yeah life is a million miles an hour just the way i like it i've never seen anyone that is so comfortable under pressure flying by the seat of his pants as jada merit how does that happen uh well it's <laughs> a good question uh i think first thing is uh experience i think uh you know, I've lived, I li- I've lived a, a, a pretty exciting tale from the, the depths of depths to the highest of highs, you know. So, uh, and, and I think when you do that with all with a smile on your face, then, uh, then, then generally you're in a pretty good headspace. And I just, you know, I'm very fortunate to have lived this life, and, uh, and, but it's a choice, right? So um, I, I guess I, I, I made that choice very early on in my life that I was going to try to be that guy, you know, that goes for things, that... Um, um, that has confidence in himself because he's, he's supported by people. Um, and, and then, that, and that, uh, that always gave me kind of the wings to try and go for things. And once you have that as a prerequisite and you start doing, then you start learning and that that's where that experience comes in. And then once you have experience, then you can, then you can relax. <laughs> relax. That's a, that is a term that, Ooh, is subjective, right? Because I've always seen you going for something always chasing something. You know, I look back at your story, uh, the rise and shine documentary that you put out talks about your tale of leaving the university of Chicago, Illinois or Illinois, Chicago. You set overseas for your dream of chasing football at the highest level. And you took off, you chased that dream. And for a large amount of that time, you lived in an attic of your friend's place. You weren't sure that you're ever going to make it happen. And a lot of, t- you even went back home because you didn't think it was really going to be feasible, but you didn't give up. You went back. What did that season in your life teach you about chasing your dreams? Uh, well, I think, um, you know, those moments in your life is what you'll always look back to as like your key moments, you know, because it, 
the easy stuff's easy, right? But th- there's key moments when you're like, you're at this crossroads of how do you, how do you navigate this situation? And, and usually the situation isn't, isn't rosy, right? It's like, okay, I got these options. Now, how do you, I can either come back. I had a design degree, right? I, I got my degree in design mainly because I was ready in case it didn't work out. You know, for, first thing is to prepare yourself and be, be comfortable with both sides of the coin. I think that was something, again, getting my design degree made it made me comfortable to to go out and try to put a backpack on and go to the biggest jungle of soccer in the world when i didn't get drafted in america's jungle <laughs> again which again showed maybe the the naivety i guess a, 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 like a five percent ten percent naivety level is i think was important for me um don't be naive but just have a have a, have a twang of naivety because then then those big occasions aren't as big because you don't psych yourself out you you get yourself excited and that that was kind of the last key of like when those challenges came how do i turn this crappy situation into a positive and uh I, you know i did that many different ways one when i got to england was hey yeah i'm living in an attic but i'm living in an attic in london <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Let's get out there and explore. This is like the, the one of the biggest cities on the planet, and, and with the movers and shakers in London and the soccer scene there, man. Like, how how cool is this? Let's not worry about the stupid attic. Let's just let's get out there and and and, and get some get some experience and get some uh, um, you know get some get some life life lessons done. So, what did that look like for you? What does that mean? Because for me. It means getting around people that are about what it is that you want, right? That have the lifestyle that you want. So did that mean getting in front of all of the the best players and making sure you were seen? Or did it mean chasing that dream almost with blinders on and focusing on nothing else? No, I think the, I mean, I think the first thing is, is when you find yourself in new surroundings is to, is to respect the surroundings, right? Like, I'm this 23-year-old American coming into a place where, A, they don't think Americans can play soccer, and B, I'm way past the age gap of what of where I was supposed to be. You know, in, in England, if you don't make it by the time you're 19, generally, you're not going to make it, right? And I come in as this 23-year-old American now. They already think that I'm not very good at soccer. B, they think that Americans are pretty obnoxious people, right? Like, not, not in a negative sense, but just in the fact, like, what is this 23-year-old American who's not supposed to be able to play soccer you know, why are you here? So first off, you got to like get comfortable in the room, right? So I think that was always my first key is let's not come in and be the brash American 23 year old that they're expecting me to be, you know, like sit down and shut up, you know, like sit at, sit at the table and wait to be asked a question. And then when you get asked a question, be yourself, right? Like it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, waiting for your opportunity. I, I remember I was, to, I say this story too, in a different way is like, I read an article about this surfer, right? Because surfers are a community. They travel around the world. And all of a sudden, this wave this, is this other person's piece of property. And he just said, like, you got to wait for your wave. And you can't come in there expecting you're going to get your first wave and be the guy that rides on that wave and becomes the hero. You know, like 99 times out of 100, that's not going to happen. You're just going to piss people off and they're going to send you home, right? So I think first thing was was respecting my, my surroundings, respecting the people that were in front of me uh, that I wanted to be. Um, and then learning as fast as I could and being honest with people and myself being like, holy crap, I got a lot of work to do, but there are a lot of people around me that are, that are good at the sport, that are knowledgeable at the sport that that can help me get better fast. Right. And then it was like, okay, now you don't, you're just not really allowed to make many mistakes when you're behind the eight ball. Right. So there's a, there is a tactic and a technique to waiting for your wave. What was your wave? The trial game that I had against Watford. 
uh, it took me a year and a half. You know, I was playing in the 12th and 9th divisions in the UK. I was getting 60 pounds in an envelope after the game, which is like 100 bucks, right? So now as a college graduate, how does that mental state? <laughs> oh, pressure. You know, but that being said, uh, I, it, it made me survive through the week. You know, that got me two beers on Saturday. It got me some Snickers bars during the week and it got me spaghetti for the for the week, right? You know, like that was kind of my thing. And, and it was like, okay, how does a 60 pounds get me through get me through the week so I can survive another week? And you know, all that that stuff happened all over on, on the field too, right? It's like I started as 12th division sub on Sunday league, which is like like even worse. You, you don't even get paid on that, right? So like you know, and I knew I knew that I'd have to again respect that situation, earn my way into a starting lineup. And then you're in the starting lineup, and now you got to become one of the best on the team. And then once you're in the best of the team, then you start to get looked at scouts, right? So then I got asked to come to this game. Um, it was a new preseason game, so I'd, I'd done a whole season of, of, of ninth division. Came back, and they're like, "Okay, well, I'm going to the, my my coach had gone to a different team, and he says we're playing Watford in a preseason friendly. Watford's a Lon- North London team. Uh, they're in the first division, which was the championship." Uh, why, why don't you come do preseason with us? You might get a look. So I'm like, okay, great idea. Waves starting to come, right? Like, I, I've, I've waited for my stupid wave, right? Like, uh, don't get me wrong. I was ready at a year and a half to be like, I didn't care anymore. I had gained respect. I didn't have to, you know, now I can really go for things. And um, it was kind of like this opportunity. I knew that if I played well against these guys, you know, you never know. And I knew that Watford didn't have much money and, and to buy people, right? And, and in a professional game, there's two ways you can get spotted. One is to be so good that you get bought or one is to be so good, but you're free. So it's kind of one of those things that, you know, I was I was knowledgeable of that stuff. I had noticed it. I had kind of had that as part of my plan. And then they put the first team out. So I got to play against their full first team. And um, I, I got to play up against uh, two guys that are both internationals. Uh, uh, Bruce Dyer and Heider Helgeson for Iceland, both both guys that have, are, are proven championship players. And again, I knew who they were because I I had done my research. I knew who they were. I knew what their what their what they were like as players, and that helped me. Right, like that helped me get through that game. And sure enough, after that game, Ray Lewington calls that coach. He says, "Hey, we're we're looking for a, a center half, and we noticed that he's free." What is the uh, what's his story? And they're like, oh, you know, Jay's been a 24 year old American at the time. Now he's been he's been here for over a year. He's been slogging it out in the lower leagues, but you know he's a great athlete and, we, and he's got a great attitude. And so he's like, okay, I'll take him on trial. And that's how it started. And then that wave crashed into this Real Zaragoza game. So I, you know, like that was kind of my. You know, I, I do put it down to like six 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 stories in my life are, are like my key my key moments, right? That get you to that next level. You don't you don't get many many shots of that. So I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm and to be honest, the the thing I'm probably most proud of is that I'm I'm six for six. That is is something I look back on. It's like, and and that's my key can't my one of my key messages is is when I talk to kids or even in, talk to myself. It's like these moments don't come often. And the fact that of all the moments that I've had, I, the fact that I can put them down to six. Is, is, is in my opinion, like I, I have to be able to kind of be knowledgeable of that and, and look back on that and go, those were your big opportunities and you made the most of them because you were already way behind. So there's ways to catch up, right? And and, and that was always kind of my thing. And, and, and thankfully so far, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I'm, I'm ready for a seventh to fail. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't like this is a be all end all kind of thing. You know, I always prepared for that other side. But thankfully in those moments where I had to get better and I had to do it, in order to get to that next step, I was able to. You've always survived because you've had the mindset of positivity and you don't give up and you played that way. So you played in a World Cup. 
You've been the captain for Watford and the Vancouver Whitecaps. You've done everything that you can really do as a footballer. Everyone would say you're successful. But when Jay Demerit looks in the mirror and he asks himself, what is success? What do you define as success? Uh, I think it's an, it's an ongoing process. You know, like I was successful as a soccer player. <laughs> but, you know, am I successful as a business person? No, not yet. I suck at business right now, <laughs> in, in all honesty. Uh, you know, it's something that is, like I said, this ongoing journey of like of goal setting. In all honesty, that's kind of what I, I, I and every time I hit one of those goals, I, I, I consider that success. So, you know, there, there's no there's no true definition. I don't think. I think it's literally it's it's having the mindset to go and try and achieve something, and then achieving it, and now that's success to me. And you know, again, that happens on a daily basis to me, and also in big big goals. And, and I think, uh, you know, those goals will always change. Part of navigating yourself through new situations is learning how to lead. So a part of leading a group of men on a soccer field and in a locker room is a bit different from leading a company. Tell me what you've taken from your career as a leader and a captain to now the leader and the captain of Portman Toast Aereo. Uh, well, I, I think the first thing is, you know, just being comfortable, I suppose, in that in that leadership role. I think soccer has taught me how to do that. Um, it's taught me how to use your surroundings, you know? Like, I, I try to, of course, my, my mindset always tries to do too much, but I also realize and, and, and what I learned, especially in a soccer game where there's 11 guys in the field, you can't do it all yourself. And, and I think that relying on your teammates is important. You know, it, there's not many of us at Portmanteau, but, you know, we, we all know what we're good at and we all use each other to, to our own advantages. And, uh, you know, I think that's, like, that's a key, you know, knowing your teammates and knowing what they're good at and allowing, you know, and kind of orchestrating that. OK, you go do this because you're really good at that. But like giving them credit. So they go like, yeah, yeah, I totally want to go do that. You know, right, you know what right. I mean? Like. That's kind of the same thing you do on the soccer field. You know, I guess I, I do speak to soccer a lot being an 11. You know, like when you're on a basketball court or a, or a hockey rink, you know, you only got you – got, you got like a couple bros, right? And then you can kind of figure it out. But in soccer, there's 11 guys out there. So I always credit soccer players to being A, good communicators if they, if they as a player chose to communicate or if uh, – and also good orchestrators. Like being able to manage 10 things at once is, is a great skill to have. And, and, and soccer actually taught me that. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, that has been a huge thing as well, because when you own a business, there's a lot of moving parts. And, and you know, as you get going now in your entrepreneurship days, it's you're, you're already seeing how much and how many pieces there are to this puzzle. It's ridiculous how many pieces there are in this puzzle. But, you know, I like solving puzzles. It's super fun. There is an aspect of your career that everyone knows is the DNA of Jada Merritt. You played as hard as possible. No one was going to get by you. If you watch any highlight tape of Jada Merritt, you're smashing guys, knocking them off the ball, winning headers, slide tackling to protect the goal. Is there an aspect of business that you're recognizing now that working hard doesn't necessarily replicate into dollars? Yeah. Oh, 100%. You know, uh, startups also have no money so you do have to get creative as to how you're gonna like you said survive uh even in business it's the same for me it's it's, it's technically the same formula it's first you got to survive and i'm in survival mode now you know money's money's run out so uh <laughs> you know you got you gotta get you gotta i have a wife that and a new son that's uh you know uh financially uh there for me 
uh, or I need to be financially there for them. So, you know, my money's starting to run really dry, but, you know, you start to get creative. I mean, I, I guess that survival mode is something that, uh, you know, I'm finding uh, apparent in my business world. It's uh, finding ways to save money through strategic partnerships, you know, again, using what did you, I can't remember what you called it earlier, social equity or something. You know, social being, capital. So social capital is social just capital. as important as monetary capital, right? Yeah, big time. How are you leveraging that social capital in this time now that may be a little bit stressful monetarily? Uh, well, I think it's, you know, again, I think just like anything, you use your teammates, you use your friends, you use your support systems. And, and I think uh, my friends that are local businesses who I supported as a player, who supported me as a player, you know, those relationships were started a long time ago. And um, you know, when you have those relationships, which generally in my case are good relationships, you know, you, you use your support systems. My friend that owns a bar, he, oh, he needs a new coffee table. Hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you try to put some speakers in it and you can get, get, buy a, a coffee table from, from us or something like that. You go, oh my God, great idea. Let's start doing that. You know, then the, that gets me the one sale that keeps my rent for the week, for the month. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's, it's kind of, that's one thing in product in kind as well, but also just opportunities, creating opportunities for yourself. You know, I have friends that hold great events and, you know, they ask me, uh, Hey, we need this. We need the sound for our lounge. Like for instance, we are in a, in a big design event this week called uh, dinner by design. It's my favorite event of the year. It's 10 different local designers get 10 different tablescapes to just do whatever they want, have full creative freedom. There's collaboration. There's smart minds. There's creative processes in the room. It's, it's really an inspiring event for me, especially as a designer. And, uh, you know, as we walk into the to, uh, to the event, they're like, hey, you know, we don't have any sound for the entrance. Do you guys want to kind of be a part of the show? But then you, you're our sound providers or sound sponsors. So, you know, again, no monetary value for us. We add value to them because now we create a cool living room with our new coffee table design. It looks sleek and, 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 and cool right next to the uh, G-Wagon, the Rolls-Royce and the Ferrari at the, and at, the, at the luxury car sponsors in the lounge. So all of a sudden our stuff is next to this Lamborghini in a really cool and, and sleek environment, but yet, you know, we're providing the sounds. So people are, don't even realize that, it, that it's coming from the coffee table. And it's like this kind of cool collaboration where, you know, that kind of stuff, we all help each other. Uh, and, and, and that's the kind of stuff that we're focusing on too, as we build our business. These are your new business waves, these opportunities that are coming by and you're, you're grabbing them, but there's that stressful time in between when you're trying to make ends meet and you really need the opportunities that can be filled with pressure that can be filled with stress, especially now, as you mentioned, married to no slouch and Ashley McIver, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> multiple gold medalist, Canadian legend in the winter Olympics. And you've got a brand new baby boy Oaks, who is probably the most adorable kid I've ever met. So there's stress, man. You're leading a family, leading a business as you lead your life. Do you get into some mindset sometime where you're thinking, I need to pivot out of this and do something that has more security so I can provide something reliable for my family? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think that, like you said, that's a real stress as it should be. You know, uh, of course, you, you think about your priorities and your family comes first, you know, and uh, yeah, those stresses are real. But then again, you don't want to give up your you know, your, your, uh, all your work. And so, yeah, like you said, you, you just survive, you know, priority uh, does go to family, you manage it tight, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff is, 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 has been happening. And, and then you, I think for us, it's, you know, that's why her and I are starting the rise and shine retreat too. Cause now we can do things together. So it's not just me out here on my own and having her look, looking on, looking on my shoulders, you know, I think it's important to create things with, with your support systems too. And so that's why we started the rise and shine foundation, why we're starting these camps up in Pemberton 
And because she's going to be a huge part of that. And, and Ashley, you know, she loves design and, and, and she grew up on, in log home sites. Her dad was a log home builder. So, you know, try, trying to build a retreat and a barn and some sleeping cabins on our, on our soon to be 18 acres, you know, what a project for us to build our family with, but also build a business at the same time and have her focus on that with me. And, you know, we'll, we'll be able to hopefully bring in portmanteau even into that facility, you know, like, you know, I have dreams of having the kids design their own rocket logs or like helping us sand stereos, but like, you know what I mean? Like getting their hands dirty as part of our camp curriculums and, you know, all that kind of stuff hopefully will eventually be a part of all of it. And, but I, again, I, I think you're right. You know, having my family involved in my business adventures is actually something that's important to me. It may not be important to some businessmen or women, but it is to me, I, I think, because that allows me to put my energy where it still should be. And that's uh, with to them. Well, that just makes your family moving as a unit. And it's a part of leadership, man. It's why you are such a good leader. You're involving everyone in the process so that each individual is using their strengths for the betterment of the group. And at some point, I'm sure Oaks is going to be out there involved in it as well. <laughs> Tell me this, man. You know, I was with you and we had a really tight bond, Jay. You, you were really the very first mentor for me when I started to look for mentors without even knowing I was looking for mentors, right? So I'm 24 years old, just starting my MLS career. And, you know, we're out enjoying ourselves, having nights out and all the things that are involved in that. Right. But I'll never forget it. We're out that night and Ashley McIver is in the bar and she's got her gold medals around her neck and it's the coolest moment. And you two just met and it was electric and you could see it. You chased your dreams, Jay, you chased them relentlessly. Did you chase love? Uh, no, I, I mean, there's definitely chasing involved. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know if it was chasing. I think it was just like uh, listening, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I when I left London in 2000, just after the World Cup, you know, you think professionally, I was I was on a high. Uh, personally, uh, I, I had a relationship that wasn't going well, right? So then, my uh, my London life was kind of like I knew I was leaving London. I didn't want to stay there anymore. I had opportunities to go play in Germany to go play you know, in the Middle East and make a bunch of money. I had a bunch of opportunities kind of that side of the pond. But, you know, this MLS opportunity for me was a uh, was the other side of the coin. It was like, okay, I'm going to take a pay cut, but I'm coming back to North America where I've never been able to play by my friends and family. Um, I can get, I can, I can sever ties with this relationship and I can, I can, I, I can get on with what I felt was right. And that was like, kind of coming back home, if you know what I mean. Uh, I'm a kid from Wisconsin, you know, like I've, I've family and, and friends and, you know, all that kind of stuff is important to me and, and so is culture. And, you know, Vancouver was this place that offered me this culture and I knew I, I my buddy Derek, and you remember Derek. Um, Derek was Stanford graduate, uh, you know, really smart guy. And he's like, Jay, I've known you for a long time. You're going to love Vancouver. Um, you know, it's an active community. There's a mountain community. There's all this kind of stuff. So, you know, there was seeds planted in my brain that to go, oh, I bet there's some really interesting and cool chicks there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of motivation that can come from if, the female. You know, and, and I talked to Derek and, and, and he's like, uh, you know, you're going to love this culture. And, you know, again, I, I was presented with a challenge. And for me and, and my opportunities, it wasn't it's never about money. You know, I believe that if you're successful, money comes. And, uh, you know, if I, if I wanted money, I would have I would have stayed over there. But um you know, I took a pay cut to come here mainly because of the role. And the role for me was to be a leader in the community, you know, to be a captain, to be the first signing of an MLS franchise is a, a, a big, for me, it was a big honor, you know, like you get asked to be that guy. 
you know, that's, that's a big responsibility. But I thought, you know, I'd, I'd had all this experience. I'd captained the team in the Premier League. This is an awesome role for me. And I can get back to North American friends and culture and family and have my f- friends and family come and watch me play. You know, like I, I miss that in, in my career, living in the UK, live playing in the best soccer in the world. And like I got buddies from the UK in the stands, but where, you know, like I want to look up and see my mom, you know, like, and that, I mean, for some reason I missed that. And, uh, and I, and I wanted that to happen in North America. So, you know, those things brought me to Vancouver. So you're in Vancouver and you're the face of the club, but Jay, let's be honest, man, there was a dichotomy to Jay Demerit, a savage on the field and a savage at the bar. I mean, so many nights we've had just enjoying ourselves to an elite level status, I think we can both say. But tell me how you were able to have one side of your life in the spotlight and still be able to go out with no fear and chase the night away. Well, you can take the kid out of Wisconsin, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, same as you, like, you know, we're growing growing up in the Carolinas, you know, you you just, it's... That's kind of being socially uh, uh, out there is is something that's in uh, you know bred into me. Uh, you know, you're around campfires, you're going, you're tailgating at Packer games. You know, like being social is a part of, of my DNA. And uh, I don't, I don't, I've never seen the athlete that can't be social as long as you're not the embarrassing athlete that's embarrassing himself. You know, like I've always been the guy that's out there. Yeah, hey Jay, great game on Saturday, man. Can I can I buy you a drink? Instead of like protecting myself and, and going, oh, hey, can you get that guy out of here? It's like, hell yeah, I'll have a drink. You know, like, <laughs> let's let's have a beer. Let's talk about the game, man. Like, you know, like having that connection with people socially allows you to be able to join in. And, and I've always been able to join in socially, mainly because I, I make it feel comfortable. You know, like if it's, a, it's the night after loss, I'm 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 either you know, taking it easy and just being out or I'm, I'm, I'm in it and, and like making sure that they know, like, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think having that side of life and being honest, you know, we're not trying to athletes that get in trouble are mainly being sabotaged because they're trying to put on a persona that there's something else. And then people are out to get them, you know, like the Tiger Woods theory of, Oh, he's so squeaky clean. He's so squeaky clean. And then all of a sudden people start to see that he's shady Oh, let's get him. Let's get him, you know, but you look at the athletes or the professionals or, or the people out there that are that are social, you know, like even like a Jennifer Lawrence, for instance, on, a, on the actress side, she, she's someone out there. She embarrasses herself sometimes, but it's always in the best way because she's just like us, you know, like she's not trying to be something she's not. And as long as I, 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 I kind of kept that notion of like, just never try to be something you're not. It's amazing how you can fit into society, and and I think that socially going out and having fun and all that kind of stuff has been a part of that. And and, and again, do it at the right times. Be smart about it. And uh, um, you know, like say you lose, you know, maybe the night after the game, you have friends in town or whatever. But you know, on that Tuesday or that Thursday before the next game, don't be out drinking. Don't be out with your buddies. You know, like there's a formula to to being social too. And and I think. Um, you know, that over the years has, has been something that I've, that I've, that I've kind of come to learn. I think we can both attest that you figured out the formula to, <laughs> to make it happen and to enjoy yourself. Well, but, and, and the biggest part of that formula is play well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got to perform. And that's why I asked because you, you showed up in the locker room. You would always pull the guys together and you would give these inspiring chats. But at the very end of it, your motto was just show up lads just show up and that has really been what you're about so your motto kind of comes full circle 
and Ashley McIver just shows up. And <laughs> tell me this, man, was it hard to put that lifestyle away or was it an easy call when it came to the connection that you and Ashley had? No, I think it was, I think it was a good process. I think we were both smart about it. We had both, um, you know, you think about that law of attraction and it was uh, a Canucks game. So you think about, okay, so first off, I get invited to this Canucks game. It's a year anniversary of the Vancouver Olympics for 2010. And Bell has invited me to their box because they're our shirt sponsor. They're our major sponsor. And then Bell was the major sponsor of the Olympics. So it's funny because me and Ashley have these carbon copies from Bell. And we had both done work with the Bell employees and, you know, had a good rapport with them. And, you know, the same woman emailed us both and said, oh, there's this good Canucks games coming. There's going to be some Olympians there. Jay, you're new in town. Uh, there's going to be some other Olympians dropping the puck. Uh, Ashley McIver is going to be there. She's going to be dropping the puck as well. Um, you know, so it would be great for you to kind of see some of the people um, and, and meet some of the people in your community. And, and that's so funny because Ashley kind of has the exact carbon copy of that, but just change of names. Uh, <laughs> Jada Merritt's going to be there. He's the new signing for the Whitecaps, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of started with that. Like we both – you come into those situations where somebody tells you about you, – you kind of – push up against that but we talked we, we just we, we ended up having good conversations and then you know by the end of that night it's um uh you know she was living in whistler so it was it was kind of a no stress it was like okay well she doesn't live here we'll uh we'll, we'll see how that goes and then she being you know at the height of her kind of olympic gold medalist um you know flag tour i, I like to call it she uh she came to vancouver maybe once or once or twice every couple uh, every couple uh weeks and um that, that kind of started slow, which was nice because it still allowed the lifestyle to still be had. But it's funny and she'll probably kill me for telling a story. But it's, this is when, I, like you said, the, one of the key moments where you, where you knew that she was kind of somebody that, that understood me um, in the right ways. And it's funny because she, she saw me. She saw us go out and have a good time and be social and be popular and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, she was, of course, being a part of that. And I saw that in her, too. So. You know, as athletes, you do respect that people that can go out socially. And I, I noticed her talking to fans. I noticed her being nice to people. You know, all that kind of stuff was was what I kind of were pillars that I stood on. And you know, I respected that about her in the first month or so that we started dating. And then, then all of a sudden, it was like, okay, well, she's starting to come down more and more. And then it was like, okay, well, I guess we got to start asking the questions of, uh, you know, okay, well, what's the plan here? Because I don't want to be out like, you know being being extra social if if you don't want to, <laughs> if you know what i mean and uh and and then she kind of was saying the same thing and 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 but uh, it was awesome the story was like uh i kind of started saying okay well you tell me you know like i'm easy i, I just got here i'm like four months into my vancouver trip vancouver's awesome we got season uh you know i'm not i'm not that fussed about it all i'm happy to keep going at the pace that we are she's like she's like well i'm just not really I just want to make sure that you you've amply sampled the offering. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, well played, Ashley. You know well what I mean? Played. She's like, I just don't want to come back like a year later and you being like, you missed this life in Vancouver because I took it, you know, right away. And I'm like, well, you know, I didn't, you know, <laughs> I'm in Vancouver. Yeah, it's been it's been a good couple months here, just being single and whatever. But you know, I've been single in my life and. You know, I'm playing, being single and playing in the Premier League in London is not a bad life either. To get that kind of stuff out of your system, I suppose, is kind of what I, uh, a, a good way of saying that. But for me, it was like an instant, instant gratification of respect for her because she totally understood. 
You you know what I mean? And for the, for, you know, I've been around lots of girls that I've dated or whatever that, that don't allow that, you know, you, you, you out in social situation talking to other girls is not really cool and, or, or, you know, like, or social, you know, but I understand it just like she did that, like being social doesn't mean that I can't talk to girls, you know, like I'm not hitting on them. I'm just being me. I'm, I'm being happy and, 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 and on the dance floor and having a blast, you know, like, uh, that, that's kind of what I did. And she totally saw that, but then understood that as an athlete, as our lifestyle, like if we, if we started messing that up in the beginning and messing with the trust, then that kind of would, that would kill us right away. So for her to have that vision, uh, for me was like the first step and then her first flag in the sand to be like, wow, yeah, she, she totally understands it and gets it. And now I totally respect her even more. And I don't, <laughs> now I don't want to go be social. Now I want her to be my girlfriend. So was this, <laughs> was this the first kind of moment where you thought, Hey man, I, I might be able to do life with this chick. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you, that was probably the first, like I said, the first step. Then it's like, it's funny. She, we also talked about, you know, her mom saying, you got to do four seasons, <laughs> you know, with, with, with somebody before you can start to make decisions and, and get to know them. Um, and then we, and then the other one is like travel. So, you know, that first year we went through four seasons. I, I, I come in here with her life. I realized her community is super strong. She's got family ties here. Her roots are built here. People of Whistler and of the Sea to Sky community are just wicked people. They're, you know, like you know, you've lived in this culture. It's they're active, they're smart, they're professional. Uh, they like to have a good time. Uh, you know, Whistler culture breeds that. You know, and, and it's a smaller culture here um, as well, like in its core community. And Ashley was a huge part of that. And to see her in that in that role was really cool. And 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 wanted me to be a part of it. And you know that that starts to you know envision me of like oh. I, I would like to be a part of this community. This is a rad community. Let's do this. So that kind of, that was the next one. And, and then, you know, all that stuff starts to hit. And then, you know, you get, you gain a bond with their family who just happens to be very similar to my family. And you start to, you know, kind of have these roots that you can see yourself in that, you know, our families get along and she meets my nieces and nephews and they love her and all that kind of stuff. You know, like you think about all those little, all those little flags in the sand and, you know, over a year and a half, two years, especially after being, you know, I'm 30 you know, I'd been in relationships, she'd have been in relationships. And, you know, as you get older, you realize what you like and what you don't like. And so don't give me the whole, oh, yeah, and that we waited for like two and a half, three years until we got engaged. And then, you know, like, there's no timeline, you know what I mean? Like, it's just you feel it. And when you know it, and you've been through it, and you've experienced that kind of stuff, you know, th- those answers become easy. Who cares about the timeline, you know? And then so I think we were, we were engaged, I think a year or year and a half after we, we had met. And here you are today, a couple of years into marriage, you now have your baby boy Oaks. What has Oaks and the relationship taught you about Jada Merritt? I mean, I mean, for me, it's, it's, you're able to see the other side of life and, you know, you're always going to be a professional at, at, at your, at your job, right. Or at your, at your, uh, uh, your purpose, I suppose is, is, is the way that I can, I can put that. And, and I think, uh, you know, professionally, for me, I always have I have to stay busy because if I just sit at home with my family, then I'm not I'm not out there trying to make them proud, you know. And I think that that's something that I want to, you know, that's a key value of mine. And I think um, that for me, that means go to work and, and and do things to make them proud or to support my family. So I think that stuff doesn't change. But you know, on the on the the heart side, the root side, like it, you see this little version of you all of a sudden, and all of a sudden this 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 greater purpose and greater responsibility comes into your life where you know, you're, now you have someone to take care of. Now you have someone that you have to teach them everything. 
<laughs> you know, you learn when you when you meet this little this little little thing that comes that that comes in this little eight pound package of like has no idea about anything. And then you're like, oh man, I gotta teach this kid everything. Like that kid doesn't know how to do anything. It doesn't even know how to swallow in the beginning. It doesn't know how to eat. It doesn't know how to sleep. It doesn't know how to do anything. You know, and in between you and your wife, you gotta or your partner, you gotta teach that kid everything. And, or at least in, until you can give them have enough confidence that they can they can figure things out. But that responsibility responsibility hits you pretty hard, I think, in the beginning, and, and for, it definitely hit me. And now it's just about the process. Just like anything, you learn, you make mistakes, you forget about you forget about him for two seconds, and he bangs his head on the coffee table, and you know, like all that kind of stuff is. Uh, well, what's the biggest mistake you've made parenting thus far? I think it's just knowing how fragile they are. You know, like again, you let them, you, you let them, let them out of your eyesight for a second, or you, you know, when he's picked up a rock and he, he like he's he's ready to put it in his mouth and choke on it to death, and you're like, holy crap! Like I almost killed my son. <laughs> you know, like not in that. You know, it, it's it, it's amazing how rare that actually doesn't happen. Um, but it's it's you're always right on the tip of that, and 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 I can see how horribly wrong it could go, and I, I guess that scares the crap out of me every day. Um, and you you puts that fear factor in your in your head where I was like oh you're so she's so worried all the time about this kid or like protecting it and then you realize like once you have him like you're constantly in that mode and 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 it's uh for me like those little mistakes of that you know like for literally the other day he had a rock in his hand about the size of of his esophagus <laughs> like <at laughs> it, and I'm like wow. like that could have gone really really bad I need to pay attention you know what I mean yeah <laughs> like, yeah. So life is about life is about experiences, and you're talking about parenting from an experiential basis uh, and an experiential mindset. Oaks is a little human that you're building now, and you're going to teach him how to avoid some of the hardships that maybe you went through in your life. What is something that that you've been through a hardship you've been through in your life that you're going to make sure you teach Oaks so he avoids? Um, I think being comfortable in adversity is is uh, a lot of times the the greatest strength you can teach somebody. And I'm not going to purposely cause adversity for him. Life will do that on its own. And I, I think um, when you prepare, uh, and my job is going to be to prepare him for life, you know, like whatever that means. And, uh, you know, again, I think like, you call on your own experiences. You're honest. I, I think communication is key. You know, I want to talk to my son about everything. I don't want him hiding things from me. You know, all that, all that kind of stuff is, uh, I, I think going to be my biggest challenge because, Working with kids and, and coaching, it's hard. They're hard nuts to crack, in my opinion. But if you can crack them, then then it's the greatest gift you can ever give. And and, and I think that um, I can see that already. You know that responsibility is so real. And I, I think um, you know, like I, the rise, like, like for the soccer camps. You know, we teach these kids the four pillars of the rise and shine mentality. And um, and I, and I think that that is for me is the key is to teach him those. And that's uh, belief, respect hard work and positivity. And I think that those four things, um, are, if, if, if I can teach him that those, those four pillars, then he's going to be fine. And that's all, all I can ever do as a mentor is teach kids to be okay because they'll, they'll have learned things on their own. They'll have figured things out and then they're, they're their own people. And you know, like that's kind of what I've learned is that, you know, I'm my own person and, and what, if I can captain my own ship, then I'll, I'm going to be fine. And, and I think that, um, that's that's what I want to teach him is just to captain his own ship. So as you continue to lead and exemplify true leadership, man, which is what I respect so much about you, uh, positivity you and I share at the highest regard. 
we have always meshed well because just highly energetic, highly positive people. One question for you as we round this out, Jay, what are you most grateful for right now? Uh, my health and my family for sure. You know, I got, I got literally, I have three friends dying right now. One just died all of cancer. Two of them are battling right now, losing the battle. One died four months ago. And you know, these are, these are friends that are like, I'm just hanging out with one day at a, at a, at a campfire. And all of a sudden less than a year later, they're gone. Right? Like health for me is, 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 is my greatest success right now because you know it's it's become so real when all that stuff's taken away and shed off like all this success business money you know all that stuff doesn't matter when when you when you can't even get off your couch because your you know your tumors are growing so that that stuff is real and uh, i try to keep it in perspective that way uh and i think the second thing is uh yeah that i'm always i'm always constantly reminding myself how fortunate i am you know like i get to have a family you know like I know people that would die to have a child, but can't, you know, like, so like, I, I kind of try to break down my gratefulness to like those kind of things, you know, like the rest for me is a bonus. Like, yeah, it's stressful to own a business. Yeah. It's stressful to like try to make rent as your business and lose money and take care of your family and all these kind of stresses, but are real stresses, of course. But at the end of the day, you know, I have my health, I have my family. What else do I need? Here's what I'm grateful for, Jay. I'm grateful for you being in my life and becoming such a good friend to me because creating space is built off of the mental struggle and battle that I went through uh, just two short years ago in Vancouver, going through the depression and the potential suicide that I was facing in that time. You were with me in the middle of it, and I really think I did a pretty good job hiding it from you, but <laughs> you saw it, man. You, I'm sure you saw it. You, you sure. definitely saw it, and it was by far the hardest time of my life where I, all of the positivity and the energy that were my foundations were sucked out of me, and I didn't know how to breathe without that air. You breathed a little bit of life into me in that time, Jay, and I, I really value your friendship, your mentorship, and just the, the individual that you are because you led me out of that dark place. You were a bit of my extended family there in Vancouver when some family members exited that void. Uh, it created space for you to kind of come in and fill that, and you did, man, and I, I really appreciate how you looked out after me. You made sure I was okay. You connected to me when you knew you needed to. You didn't try to do too much. Um, and I appreciate it, man. And I love to see your life building and growing and your family growing. And I look forward to, to continuing to be a lifelong friend of yours as I just I value what you bring to the table. And I want to keep you around, man. So thank you so much for coming on to Creating Space, sharing a bit of your journey, man. And I look forward to continuing this thing for as long as I exist on this place. <laughs> Very much so. No, again, uh, you know, I think I, I think to see you, like you say, come out of that and to see where you're at now and what you're creating, uh, I, I think you're you're not only are are, are valued at that. Uh, I, I do think I, I can see you finding your own space in this in this community and doing a bang up job at it. You know, and 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 for me, that's inspiring. I love seeing people do what they love and and what they're good at. And, and to see you come out of that, you know, the struggles you had coming out of the game too which is not easy you know i had the same thing when you when you have to leave when it's not your choice you know that kind of stuff is is difficult and, and to see you find your feet on this and uh now now grow it is uh is, is something that, again that speaks to your personality so i'm glad that uh you know we we can do this these kind of things support each other and uh and be a part of it and i think again that, that's a credit to you as well so thanks for having me 
Jay, you're the man. Just keep going and, and creating space for your family and for yourself to continue to be the best version, bud. Okay, buddy. Jay Demerit, ladies and gentlemen, what a story. Waiting for your wave of opportunity, waiting patiently, understanding that maybe some waves are other people's opportunities. You don't need to chase those. But when your wave comes, understand that it's yours. Grab it. Don't let it go. Ride the hell out of it and chase your dreams unabashedly. So I told you at the top of the week that I had a surprise for you guys, and I have to follow through with that. So when I was in Vancouver, the little company called Lululemon was a regional Pacific coast of Canada company that was trying to jostle for position in the health and wellness industry. And they were battling and battling decently well. They were making strides. But now, seven years later, I look back on that and I see the empire that Lululemon has built. I can remember sitting in my apartment in Vancouver as a white cat player and thinking, man, it would be awesome to be represented by Lululemon. Well, I've now got the great honor to have been selected by Lululemon to be one of their quote unquote heroes in what is known as the hike experience, which is hosted here in the Southeast region of the United States. This adventure will be held in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the end of October, and I'll be one of 20 individuals that are all coming together in Chattanooga to have this weekend experience. The experience will be full of outdoor health and wellness and mindfulness activities, but moreover, it is a group of what they call heroes or entrepreneurs who have exhibited the courage to jump the tracks of their fear and chase their dreams. I couldn't be more honored to accept the invitation to the hike, to be there on behalf of Creating Space and to really get there to meet a bunch of other entrepreneurs and creative thinkers who are out representing the type of mindset that Lululemon likes to represent and are looking to make an impact in other people's lives. I'll be documenting the entire experience on my social media pages, so make sure you follow me at, at Wesley T. Knight on Instagram and Twitter, and I'll be posting a bit on Facebook for Facebook Live as well, so you can follow me there at Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash west.night. Make sure you continue to share these podcast episodes with individuals you feel that they may influence and keep bringing me feedback. I love to be able to engage with you guys and make sure I'm bringing you the content that you are so passionate to listen to. Next week, I bring to you Megan O'Leary, an individual who literally Googled her way to becoming an Olympian in the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. It's an incredible story. So look for that next week. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Okay.